Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this week we are here with Will and Grace, season six, episode 19. No sex in the city. <laughs> okay, so like, I don't understand why they do the like apostrophe in, like apostrophe n thing. Like, that's so weird. I Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird flourish for an episode that is full of weird flourishes. Yeah. I can only imagine they must be playing on the fact that, like, on the show they're always like, oh, it's, it's sex in the city. But, like, wasn't the column on sex and the city sex in the city? No, it was sex and the city. Oh, it is? Yeah, the whole thing was sex and the city. See, it's just very confusing. So it's very confusing to me. My only thinking is that HBO wouldn't, like, let them name drop the mm. title in the episode title or something weird like that. Maybe. And so they got a- away with it with like a little wink wink or whatever, but I just thought it was kind of odd. Yeah. Well, let's give the episode description and then I think let's talk right away about that weirdness because right. I think that's very fundamental to our understanding of this very bonkers episode. <laughs> so, no sex in the city. Grace advises Will to play hard to get with his new boyfriend, Bobby Cannavale. Jack and Karen despair after learning their favorite TV series will be going off the air. Yes, so this episode begins with a water cooler chat mm-hmm. with Karen and Jack. Who have water cooler chats. This Even is... though Jack and Karen do not work together. Nope. Jack just pops in for water cooler chats whenever he feels like it. And, you know, who could blame him? Yeah, so they're discussing the series finale of Sex and the City. And they very specifically say that they're so glad that Carrie gets with Mr. Big and not that 70-year-old ballet dancer, which isn't exactly <laughs> what happens, but it's kind of what happens. I kind of enjoyed that the double take of this episode because as a person who doesn't watch Sex and the City, as well as someone who's new to Will and Grace, um, how do I phrase this? I couldn't tell if anything they were talking about was real because my impression of that show has always been that bonkers things happen. Yes. Like, my only window for understanding Sex and the City is that, like, I've seen every episode of Girls, which mm. is implied to be inspired by Sex and the City. A bit. There's some relatable stuff there. Um, yeah. So, it's really interesting. Also, a bold move of them to just straight up spoil the ending of the series. Because Sex and the City didn't actually end this much before this episode aired, yeah. if my understanding is so, correct. So, the other thing is, like, it's it's kind of a weird episode because not only is it talking about Sex and the City, it's also talking about Frasier and Friends, which were also ending this season on network TV. Yeah. And I honestly don't even know what network Frasier was on, but I feel like it was NBC. I think it was NBC. So, it kind of comes across as, like, a commercial for those other shows finales. Like, it's like, the seasons are ending. Go watch them while you still can. Right. But they, but then war, like they, I don't know who owns all these things. Like, I feel like I should have taken the time to fill out a map before we started working on this episode. Um, but I don't know if there is some way in which NBC or Warner Brothers owns Sex and the City or something. Well, because HBO, as of right now in 2019, is a Time Warner company, so I assume it was owned by Warner Brothers mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, but I don't really know what happened with all the Comcast mergers and stuff as to how yeah. NBC is involved. So it's possible that even though Frasier and Friends are on NBC and HBO isn't owned by NBC at the time, 
this may be somehow a tie-in for the... I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. But yeah, again, very bold choice that they gave away that she gets with Big at the end. Like, yeah. That was a big plot twist because um, Matthew doesn't know this, having never watched Sex and the City. I think I did actually watch this episode, though. I think you might have come home one day when I was having a feeling and watching it. Yeah. But in the finale episode, so Carrie has moved to Paris... And it's a whole big deal because she's left behind Manhattan and all of her friends and the possibility of Mr. Big to go live in Paris with Alexander Petrovsky, who's not... He's a, the 90-year-old Russian ballet dancer or whatever. He's not actually a ballet dancer. He's an <laughs> installation artist, but he is very old. He's in his late 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everything there seems like it's going to be so romantic and beautiful. And then immediately it's not because... Alexander has no time for her whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And there's this very pivotal scene where she meets some friends because she writes a book in one of the yeah. late, later seasons. She meets these these women and this gay guy who are like, we have the sex. You have the sex. We all have the sex because they're French. And they throw a party for her. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't have anyone's number. And Alexander like begs her to please come to the, the review of his new exhibit. Mm-hmm. And so she blows off the party in her honor to go. And then he doesn't need her at all. So then she tries to go to her party late. But they've all left. And they've left a copy of her book on like a table with an ashtray meaning they've discarded her into the trash and so she's very upset she tries to confront alexander about it and he accidentally slaps her in the face it's totally on accident he just turns quickly while he's gesturing with his hands right, not right, intentional. Right. but so then she's at the hotel desk after she breaks up with him after telling him that she wants to be in love crazy inconvenient can't live without each other love and then she goes to the front desk to find a new room and then in walks big and then Big finds out about the slap because she's very upset and she's crying. He's like, I'm going to go kill that guy. And she's like, no, no, no. He's like, what room are you in? She's like, I'm not telling you. And then naturally the hotel clerk is like, I see you in room, whatever the fuck. And then Big is like running up the stairs and she's like, no, Big, no, don't punch the Russian. And so she trips him and then they laugh and they're in love. And she goes back to New York and they live happily ever after. The end, Sex in the City. So I don't think you have any comprehension of how much time that was. It was substantial. It was like Michael Scott doing an entire episode of Law and Order substantial. <laughs> but anyways. Tess Benzer, Dramatic Productions presents. <laughs> Sex in the City. But it, it is a big turnaround because she's with this other guy and then she gets with Big in the end. But in this episode of Will and Grace. <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> so the, the Jack and Karen plot this week is very thin and kind of hinging on this very strange, very meta plot of people being sad when their favorite shows get canceled or go off the air. Yeah, and I mean, that's a very relatable feeling. I mean, when your favorite show ends, you tend to have a lot of big emotions Mm -hmm. about it. I know I was kind of sad when Crazy Ex-Girlfriend ended this year. Yeah, that's true. That made me really sad. There was another show that ended this year Um, that I was sad about. But I don't remember what it was I don't remember now. what it was. So I'm you must not have been that sad. It wasn't that sad, I guess. Well, it's just, I mean, even a show where you have mixed feelings about it, like once it comes to an end, and, and I think coming to a natural end versus being canceled is very mm-hmm, different. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, going back to Girls, like that show is extremely problematic, but also like it's a very formative show. It made a huge impact on TV. And so you watch the ending and, like, you can't help but have, like, that emotional reaction. Like, right. And it's, like, a planned ending. Like, yes. Plan- it's the, the writers plan to end it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and same can be said of now that we're watching it in 2019. I've seen both the Frasier and the Friends finale. Both of those were pre-planned endings. Mm-hmm. They weren't an ending because, like, the show was canceled very abruptly. It's mm-hmm. very much so the shows were coming to their natural yeah. conclusion. I will say that now that I realize that uh, Friends and Sex and the City ended the same season. It seems 
particularly egregious that both of the female leads went to France, but rejected being in France to be with their extremely flawed lover. Like, guys, really? We couldn't at least have one of them go to London? Well, she got off the plane. She didn't actually go to Paris. Oh, she should have, though. Yeah, Ross is garbage. Um, but I think the problem is that this plotline is fascinating, relatable, very meta, and extremely unwilling grace. Right. And and that, I think, is part of the problem with it, mm-hmm. is that Will and Grace, as a show, is typically not this self-aware. I mean, it didn't even acknowledge that 9-11 happened. Yeah. But we have... Are we talking about Sex and the City, Frasier, and Friends? Like, come on. Yeah, it's very weird to acknowledge that those shows are ending in a post-9-11 world. Shows uh-huh. that were impacted by 9-11, like, significantly. Like, I'm pretty sure one of the executive producers of Frasier was on one of the planes. Like, mm. like big deal. Like, right, right. So, like, the fact that the show didn't acknowledge large national tragedy, but instead are acknowledging the smaller national tragedy of three <laughs> television shows going off the air feels very weird. Well, and then they try to justify the plot by having one of the characters from Frasier show up. Yes. And it's just uncomfortable. Yeah, so I forget what her her full name is. I don't know what it is. Her first name's Bibi. And so yes. she played Lilith on the show. And Lilith, if you watched Frasier, you know who she is. If you didn't, she was Frasier's ex-wife, and she was this very, like... Stoic woman who mm-hmm. said a few kind of caustic, bitchy, monotone lines every few episodes. It's like Karen on Downers. Yeah, it's basically Karen on Downers. Right, okay. And so um, they find her in what appears to be a Panera Bread, because I'm pretty sure I can see the Panera logo on yeah. those cups. So they're in a Panera Bread, and they basically, they find her, and they tell her they're really big fans. And she's flattered, and she's like, oh, thank you. And then they kind of like yank her physically to the table and try and force her to like be Lilith for them. Yeah, it's just it's it's not even that it's weird. It's just not even that well crafted a plot. Like there's yeah. no end game. They don't seem to get anything out of her. They and they kind of waffle back and forth as to whether or not they are acknowledging that she is an actress who plays a character or if they actually think she's Lilith. Yes. And then even Lilith herself this character, like, BB playing herself is weird because on the one hand, she's like, oh, yes, it was, like, an honor to be on such a long show, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I'm a serious actress. I'm a Broadway-caliber actress. I mean, look at these pins. And shows off her, her very nice legs. They're quite good. But then, like, three seconds later, she's like, oh, I love Lilith. I'd play that bitch for years. It's a right. cushiest job in America. Right, and right. I'm just like, what am I supposed to take away from this other than the fact that I feel like I genuinely have whiplash? Yeah. So... That was the Jack and Karen plot this week. It was weird. It man. was weird, and uh, I, I will say that this episode was tonally convenient. Or um, I will say that this episode was tonally consistent because the Will plotline was also super weird this week. Yes, kind of for different reasons. Kind of not. So, there was the same sort of weird undercurrent of the show being more like too self aware for its britches. You know, yeah. like like I think. Uh, we've always kind of said that Will and Grace needs to be a little bit more aware of a lot of things. And then... And I think the revival is, to yes, a certain extent. But I think that this episode was like, they took one really big hit mm-hmm. of self-awareness and shoved it all in one episode. Yeah. Like, I think, thinking back on this episode, after we've watched it and letting it digest, it does feel a little totally more close to the revival. And I, I do appreciate that, because mm-hmm. I do enjoy the revival episodes we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um... But I think it's just because it's coming at this time period where there aren't other episodes totally to support that. Mm-hmm. So basically what we have is an episode where Will is starting to see Vince, Bobby, Bobby Cannavale, Cannavale. Um, and he is 
trying to figure out how to make this relationship work because in the past, all of his relationships have completely flamed out. You know what? I'm going to back up. He's not quite that self-aware. Here's what happens. He comes in from the date. Right. And Vince drops him at his door and he goes to his phone to immediately leave him a five minute long voice. That's right. And so he isn't self-aware, but Grace and Jack make him aware. Yes. That it's sort of like they awaken him. Yes. It's the it's the glass shattering noise yes. from how I met your mother. They they break the illusion mm-hmm. for him. And I like that as a plot point. I love the idea of this character having a moment where he realizes, Oh, I do this thing. Let me change my behavior. But it's done in such a strange fashion. Yeah. Like, you get a voiceover then. It's odd. It's a, it, There are some stylistic choices that really are very strange. Uh, so basically what Will decides is that, based on Jack and Grace's suggestion, he's going to be aloof. and like, Right, because they're like, you're way too needy. Yeah, and, and but he kind of keeps oscillating between it. Like, it's not a consistent choice. Yeah. And, and he completely misreads the situation because as soon as... First of all, I will say that Will and Grace is, I think, a little pulling its cards back too much. Because at the beginning of the episode, it doesn't seem like Vince is attracted to Will because of the neediness or in spite of the neediness. Mm -hmm. But it does become very clear immediately that as soon as Will is starting to play games with him, Vince is immediately out of... Yeah, he's super He's super uninterested, yeah. Yeah, and so we get this scene where Will has been confronted by Jack and Grace telling him he's too needy. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to coffee with Vince the next morning, which again is just baffling to me. Like, is it a Saturday? Like, what's going on? Why is he not at work? Whatever. (laughs) Um, But so he goes and he has coffee and he's being his kind of normal needy self and immediately asks asks Vince if he wants to do something the next night. Mm -hmm. And then Vince is like, oh, you know what? I'd have to check my work schedule, which seems like a legit thing, not like a game playing thing. Like he is a cop. He may have to work. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, he gets up to go get a scone or some shit. And then Will's like, oh shit, maybe I am being too needy. Oh, oh, I better be aloof. I better be aloof. And I will say that that's, this episode also was very relatable for me because I've been like exactly that person (laughs) in every relationship. Like, the the internal monologue of like, oh no, I'm telling you that I love you and I've been on one date with you. Ah. Versus like, what if I just never opened up any of my feelings ever again? Lock them deep down. Yeah, it's just, it is, it feels like watching this episode. Yeah. It's, is what being me dating other people is like. And so that's a very relatable feeling. So then Will kind of overcorrects and then mm-hmm. goes, actually, I might have something going on tomorrow night. And then Vince is like, oh, well, I was going to move some things around so we could go out. Right, but then Will isn't like... Acknowledge that, like, he's saying, please don't play games with me. Right. Instead, he's like, well, why don't we, like, touch base tomorrow or something? Yeah. Which, again, touch base is, like, one of my things. Oh, yeah. That's your biggest pet peeve. It's one of my biggest pet peeves because it's just like, no, just tell me what's going on. Just don't give me let's touch base. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to pre-plan when I'm going to check in with you. Especially because they may or may not have cell phones. I don't really know what year cell phones got invented anymore. It appears that they have cell phones and that Will has a Palm Pilot. That's right. Um, so then we cut to the next night when Will has sort of like completely overcorrected and has decided that he's going to be Mr. Aloofy McGee. Like he's late to the bar. An hour late. An hour late to the bar. I, I'm not, I'm going to be real Egregious. with you. I understand that it's the past and cell phones may or may not exist. If someone was more than 20 minutes late to a date, I would not be there anymore. Nope. I would I'd be, be gone. gone. I would already be dancing with, in this case, I would be dancing with Bobby Cannavale because 
you know. He looks like Ben Platt. Your he husband. looks like Ben Platt, my husband, etc. <laughs> but yeah, so Will shows up an hour late, and then he like is really weird and like keeps like referencing people he used to date who are clearly not people he used to date mm-hmm. and calling them all David, and then like making some joke about how <laughs> I thought oh, that was a bold choice. Oh, I call both for the character and the show. I like that. Oh, actually. I call every guy whose name I can't remember David, and then the guy's like, I'm not David. Like <laughs> it's so uncomfortable, and so then like. Vince is clearly, like, turned off by this, and he's just like, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom and then maybe bust those two guys dealing ecstasy because he is still a cop, which is funny. And so then Will goes to the bar, and then, okay, and then the weirdest part of the episode. This is, like, hands down the weirdest part of the episode. Sharon Osbourne is the bartender for no reason, and it is in no way acknowledged. No. Like, it kind of seems like, so I, I didn't look at, like, the actual crediting for this episode, but it kind of seems like Sharon Osbourne is playing herself as a bartender, but no one is acknowledging that it's Sharon Osbourne. It's like, yeah, it's really weird. And so she's like, hey, Will, that guy clearly likes you. What the fuck are you doing? And he's just like, I'm trying to be more aloof. And she's like, well, you're being way too aloof. Now he's dancing with that other guy. <laughs> what was the joke? Basically, Sharon Osbourne is like, duh, you could have had a V8. Oh my God. She's like, he's over there dancing with that Gwyneth Paltrow looking guy. Yeah. Which is like <laughs> such a burn for Gwyneth Paltrow. And I don't know if it's a Shakespeare in Love reference or if we're too old for that. At I don't this even point. know. I don't even Whatever. know. Whatever. We're going Sick with burn. it. Sick burn. Sick burn. And so then Will sees that, in fact, Vince is dancing with someone else and he feels very ashamed and so he goes over to try and like make things right and then you know Vince kind of confronts him with some like real truth bombs Mm -hmm. like he's like I'm I'm not a game player I've done a lot of work on myself like he name drops being in therapy again he also name drops getting shot in the neck which which we might need to follow up on is not resolved at all like I would I definitely need an entire episode dedicated to the bullet through the neck situation yeah like I I feel like Vince is such an interesting character for me for a couple of reasons. One of which is that he clearly has a lot of backstory. Yeah. For him to be a completely, or I shouldn't say completely, but at least mostly self-actualized mm-hmm. gay police officer in right. the 2000s. Like, I, I understand that this is a TV show where, like, the reality of queer identity is not ever acknowledged. But, like, that is insane. Right. There's a lot of layers going on here. And it. It also sounds like it's kind of crazy. Like, I think that we're supposed to sort of find him lovably unfortunate because he's in therapy. Yes. But as someone who is actively in therapy, I think it's really rad that he's so open about that on, like, two days. I did actually think that that was one of the parts of the episode that worked the best, you know, more than a decade later. Is that, I, I think you're right. I think in the episode it's supposed to read... I'm also a disaster. I'm in therapy. Right. But I actually thought on rewatch, it kind of took on the reverse tone. It was, I'm not a mess because I'm in therapy. You need to get on my level. Right. Or this isn't going to work. It kind of felt like, you ever hear the difference between calling someone out and calling someone in? It Mm -hmm. sort of felt a little bit like, not a call out post for Will, but a call in post for Will, where it's like, look, if you want to be with me, here's the level I'm at. I'm actively working on myself. Right. I'm in therapy because I know I have shit. You seem to be unable to handle your shit. And if you're going to date me, you need to get a, you need to get your, yourself together. Or alternately, if you want to be my lover, you've got to get with my conception of mental health. Make it last forever. Therapy never ends. And Until your therapist says that you can quit. Yes. Sometimes it's good to end therapy. I personally think that therapy is a long-term thing, but that doesn't mean that you can't take breaks. Yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah, so I think, yeah, I think that's one of those things that in 2019, us watching it, mm-hmm. it, it comes across as a lot more positive of a character choice versus in 2004, it might have been intended to be kind of like, ha ha, he's sad and in therapy. Well, I think that's kind of the same thing as the last time we saw uh, Vince, like, he's kind of portrayed as like this, like, haphazard, sad sack cop. But, like, I kind of think that, like, the characterization of Vince is, like, reaping dividends, like, a decade later. Like, he's genuinely, like, trying to always be the best version of himself. Right. Which, for this show, is, like, crazy rare. Yeah. Like, I just mean, it's a very interesting contrast. Mm -hmm. When we see this man who's, like, open about being in therapy, open about some of his own identity struggles. Like, the Mm -hmm. bit last episode where he was like, I forget to sign my checks to my therapist says it's because I'm not showing up for myself. Which is so self-aware. Oh, yeah, you're right. That is kind of a call-through. That's, like, a black belt-level thing to get to in therapy. Well, and the other thing I'm starting to realize is that I feel like every relationship Will's had in the revival is sort of like a... I mean, not even Will only. Like, I feel like all of the men in the revival are sort of like a reflection of this character type. A little bit. I mean, we have Ben Platt, who is basically Bobby Cannavale. As but, like, used. still in the past. But Officer Drew is kind of like Vince before he meets Will a little, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. And he ends Matt, up with Jack, but it's yes. still a sim- similar sort of thing. Matt Bomer is kind of very similar in his... I guess he's a little bit more similar to when... Will is dating Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. But there's something similar there. Yeah, there's also a sort of similarity between Will in this episode of Mm -hmm. the the original series and Matt Bomer in the revival, where he's a bit needy, and, like, Will has to kind of re-educate him about what's an appropriate boundary for him. Like, Will has kind of moved into the Vince role, where he's like, I've done work on myself, and, like, this is what I need. Right. Like, this is what works for me. You don't have to do these things. These things are too fast for me, etc. Yeah. I I personally don't know how the Vince relationship is going to develop, but we do know from the revival that, unlike Grace and Leo, Will and Vince are at the place where they're not together anymore but vince is still inviting will to his wedding and they're friends which is a whole different thing that's but a like, very different ending of a relationship yes and it seems to me that some of that kind of probably comes from some of the work that vince did on himself that the idea is that they could amicably end their relationship mm-hmm. and then maintain a different sort of relationship afterwards yes um also what's really interesting to kind of just like um juxtapose the self-awareness of vince with the self-awareness of Grace this episode. Yes. Because Vince is, like, self-aware that I have stuff. And Grace is like, yeah, I'm fucking garbage. So Yeah, the, the show kind of is doing this weird thing with Grace because, like, since she can't take an active character role because they're trying to hide the fact that Deborah Messing is pregnant, she kind of has taken on this, like, voice of reason role almost. Which is really interesting for her, especially because she will fully admit that she is not reasonable. Like, I am sure that... At some point by the end of the season or the beginning of next, Grace will be faced with her dissolved marriage and act like she is not self-aware in any way. But in this moment right here, she is like 100% like, oh yeah, like, I'm terrible at relationships. I fucked up my marriage. You shouldn't do anything I say. Like, I'm literally talking out of my ass. Right. Like, she's not saying that at first, but like... There's, she's clearly, like, still talking out of her ass both times. Right. Yeah. So we have her early on tell Will to stop being so needy. Mm -hmm. And then when Will calls her in a panic because his aloofness has, like, reaped terrible results. Yeah. She's like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm bad at relationships. I was really fucking bad before I met Leo. And I'm really still bad now that I've met Leo. Like, she's very aware that she does not know what she's talking about. And that's extremely unusual for Grace, who is often so not self-aware that she doesn't seem to realize that she lives in Brooklyn. (laughs) 
Like, she's living with Will, but she still has that Brooklyn house. She still lives in Brooklyn, technically. It must be a wreck. It's so dusty. I'm sure. There's no one been in there for months. <laughs> she really should have flipped it. With... She definitely should have flipped it. But yeah, like, so it's very interesting to sort of see Grace take on this role and then kind of backpedal that role by being like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I think the self-awareness of this plotline works substantially better than the Jack and Karen plotline. Yeah. Because I, it's it's self-awareness about the characters in the show. It's not self-awareness about the show's placement in the greater right. echelon. It's saying of, these characters are starting to get a sense of who they really are. Mm-hmm. It's not saying these characters are starting to get a sense that they're in a sitcom <laughs> and their corporate overlords say, you have to name drop the Frasier and Friends finale. We're not sure if Americans want to watch two season finales in the same sweeps period. Yeah, so it's very interesting to watch. This whole episode was an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if we can handle another episode like it. I think I need I need some good old-fashioned Will and Grace not knowing what queerness is. I want them to go back to not knowing their elbow from their asshole. And Admittedly, they did get pretty close to the ending when Will and Vince share an intimate moment. The most intimate kissed. moment where a man puts another man into a headlock as they leave a gay bar. And says something about... Dryer sheets. Yes. <laughs> Very erotic. That's actually first base for the gays. Yes. Dryer sheets is first base. Yeah. Second base is um, is air freshener, like poop spray. Yeah. Third base is when you're in a cafe and you reach out your hand as if you're just reaching out your hand to stretch. And then your partner reaches out their hand and you touch fingertips together. Just, just, just one brush, or two. Brush of the pinky. You don't want to You don't want to force it. You don't want to upset standards and practices. And then, of course, you know, a home run is just rampant gay sex. Just straight up. It goes straight from fingertip touching to, to like. full on anal. Full on hardcore porn. Just like. There's nothing in between. Raw. <laughs> All right. I think now that we've brought up hardcore gay porn. That is all we have for this week. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, Tess, do you want to tell people where they can find us on the internet? All right. So the main place that you're going to be able to locate us on the interwebs is our Twitter page. We are at Not A Couple Show. But don't fear if Twitter's not your thing. We are also on Facebook and Tumblr. And we have an email address for those of you elderly folks out there. <laughs> and you can email us at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. If you're listening to this episode, great job. You already found us. But there are other places that you might want to listen to us, too. So we are on Apple, as well as Spotify, as well as Podbean. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll be back next week as we start to go into the home stretch of episodes of Will and Grace Season 6. Yay! All right. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye-bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Hi, Eliza. Stay air fresh. This episode of Not a Couple is sponsored by Tess Benzer Dramatic Productions, presenting Sex in the City. Okay, so there's this episode in which Bobby Cannavale plays this guy with the funkiest tasting smoke, and Samantha's like, oh no, I'm not going to go down on you unless you change your diet. Wow. <laughs>